We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. We're recording this on the eve of Brandon Ingram and Rajon Rondo returning from injury. And the Lakers sputtered a bit on a one and three road trip after missing those two guys. And then JaVale McGee was sick for the last two. We don't know if JaVale is going to be back for Friday. We're recording this on Thursday night. But just having Rondo and Ingram back is going to have some implications on the team. And we're going to start with that. We'll start with Brandon Ingram. What does his return to the lineup mean? And in what role should it be? The Lakers are getting back a good player. I think that that needs to be said up front. There were parts of when he was gone that it looked like the Lakers didn't miss a beat. And I think that we'll get into that in a little bit when we talk more about roles when he does come back. But I very much want Brandon Ingram on the court for his, you know, 25 to 30 minutes a night, whether that's in lineups with the starting group or sort of carrying lineups um, or as sort of a focal point of a second unit lineup when he's playing with with more bench players. I think it's sort of easy to take a player like Ingram for granted as a Laker fan. What do you think we take for granted with him? Well, I just think that this year especially, it's been easier to highlight sort of his flaws or turn the talking point of his fit with LeBron and then extrapolate that into what he is as a basketball player. That's a very good point. And I think that that's the wrong approach. I was doing a little bit of digging into some stats about Brandon Ingram, specifically in relation to LeBron James. So for the season, when Ingram is on the court and he's sharing the floor with 
Well, with LeBron, the Lakers actually have a positive net rating. They have an offensive efficiency of 104.2, a defensive efficiency of 103.7. So it's a small net positive, but it's a positive all of the same. When LeBron is off the court, though, and Ingram is on the court, the Lakers have an offensive efficiency of 109.5, and their defensive efficiency goes down to 98.5. And to me, these last numbers are most interesting to me. And so while Ingram is off the court and LeBron is on the court, the Lakers have an offensive efficiency of 109 and their defensive efficiency is 104.3. So again, they're playing well. But when LeBron is off the court and Ingram is off the court, their offensive efficiency drops all the way to 99.4 and their defensive efficiency jumps all the way to 108.0. And so... In summary, what all of this tell, tells me is that lineups with LeBron and Brandon Ingram together are still sort of this work in progress. They're basically like a net neutral. When LeBron is on the court and Ingram is off the court, the Lakers are good. They're outscoring opponents by, you know, a little bit over four points per 100 possessions. When LeBron is off the court and Ingram is off the court and Ingram is on the court, The Lakers are a really good team. They're outscoring opponents by over 10 points per 100 possessions. But when both LeBron and Ingram are off the court, the Lakers are terrible. And and so that's important to highlight here. And I I just want to throw this last point in that when LeBron is off the court and Ingram is on the court, the Lakers are performing really well too. And so this sort of triggers to me this idea that Brandon Ingram's actually good, that he's helping the Lakers in ways that are really important to the team as a whole, even if his meshing with LeBron James isn't quite there yet. And that's how you create a team that can actually be successful over the course of 48 minutes. To me, the big takeaway from those numbers are that Brandon Ingram is the key to the second unit. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he has to come off of the bench to be able to do that. So the Lakers are flat out bad when neither LeBron nor Ingram are on the court. So when has that been over the course of this season? It's generally been when there's been suspensions or injuries, specifically to Ingram. LeBron's played in every game, right? Yes. The Lakers have nine solid rotational players, which is right at the limit of the number of guys that you need to get a full 48 minutes in, right? So as soon as the Lakers get injuries, they don't have like a lot of championship contenders do that 10th or 11 man that's this guy who wants a chance to win a ring and he's on a one-year deal but he's a vet he's a pro he knows how to play you're not gonna hemorrhage when he's out there Lakers drop off into young guys like Wagner and Svee and even a unpredictable veteran like Lance once they get beyond that first nine and so to me that's what that tells me when they're both off of the court that means that it's because the Lakers don't have a lot of depth when they're both on the court, that's generally in the starting lineup. And to me, if your net rating is just plus 0.5, the way that it is, in a starting lineup with LeBron, that's problematic. Like, your my baseline for, like, what's good in a lineup with LeBron is not zero. You know what I mean? Like, you already have such a head start with a guy like that, that that is indicative of, like you said, the work in progress that's going on. What's I think the most interesting of all of those is how really good he's been 
on those lineups without LeBron on the court. Is this something where I think you could make an argument? Now, it's been 121 minutes, which is not a lot for a two-man combo, but in those 121 minutes, not only is the team performing really well, that plus 10.9 that you said, but Brandon's individual production has been really good. Kind of begs a question is, if LeBron didn't come, would we be talking about that Ingram as a breakout star type of guy? And so what I want to talk about, I actually want to pull Ingram out of what you were talking about, of how we frame everything with LeBron and without LeBron, to kind of an evaluation of what is Ingram as a basketball player in a neutral environment, which he's not in, but what areas of growth, where does he still need to go from, from you, who's always been a big Ingram guy? It's hard to sort of remove him from the context of LeBron because they played so many minutes together. And so a lot of the opportunity that he's getting in the bulk of his minutes does not mirror the way that he's necessarily playing or being asked to play when he's off the floor with LeBron. In fact, maybe that's not even quite fair. (laughs) What I would say is that LeBron is the type of player who, for better or for worse, and let me be clear here, it's almost always for the better, (laughs) that he sort of sucks up the oxygen in the room, like almost every superstar player does. And that then leaves the other players on the floor to sort of bend to what complements LeBron best. And in a piece I wrote about Ingram earlier this year, where I where I sort of wrote that he, that he himself was a work in progress, I noted that Ingram was sort of being groomed to be the Lakers' LeBron James. You know, he was being groomed as the guy who was going to have the ball in his hands a lot. He was going to direct offense more as a point forward. He was going to be a sort of, sort of and we talked about this a lot last year, this, this strong side offensive initiator. And his best stretch of the season last year came where any obstacle to that was removed, including Lonzo Ball who is also a player who the Lakers are grooming to, to sort of have the ball in, in his hands, if not a lot, a, well, a decent amount. And, and so when we're talking about what Ingram is as a player and, and sort of where he's, he's improved, it's sort of fuzzy to me. I think you have to probably look most at these minutes without LeBron where the Lakers are playing at a much faster pace when Ingram is on the floor and and LeBron is not, I think their pace jumps up to something like 109. Which is really fast. Like the Lakers are third in the NBA overall. And so 109, that's like fastest team in the NBA type. Yeah, and with LeBron on the floor and Ingram on the floor, I think that they're at around 105, which is still really fast, right? But but 109 is like, you know, is like five De'Aaron Foxes out there. <laughs> right, basically. Right. And, and and so when when Ingram is able to change hands quickly, have the ball in his hands and push the ball up the floor, maybe catch the ball on a diagonal pass in the open court and then attack on the move, he is a super dangerous player. And in the half court, I feel like we have focused a lot on, you know, like the mid-range game that that he's doing and like these pull-up jumpers and like the pick and roll stuff and 
and why isn't he cutting more or getting the ball off off of cuts more why isn't why aren't the Lakers running him off of more screens and all of that is fair I think because and I would argue that the reason why they're not is 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 because those are still sort of deficiencies in in his game a little bit or in terms of the cutting it's like just not organic enough within the flow of their system so when we're talking about what he's actually good at right now I think he's good at being an an open court player I think that he's also good at spotting up and like attacking a closeout and maybe running secondary actions but he's just not doing enough of that really to I think highlight that that skill set is actually there are you seeing different stuff or are you sort of just like yeah all that's nice and good but you know what the Lakers really need is for him to be better in these other ways that are complementary sort of like Kyle Kuzma I mean they do need that but the biggest difference I've seen in his game is on the defensive end he's a much better defender than he was last year and he is a unique type of defender for the Lakers this year in that they don't have any other big wings Brandon's ability to provide that has been very much missed in the time that he's been out I have on the offensive end seen a guy that's like battling what he wants to be versus what the Lakers need and the Lakers do need him to be able to operate more off of the ball, more off of those secondary type of actions. Kyle Kuzma has emerged as a clear second option in Ingram's absence. Do you agree with that, that, that Kuzma has emerged as that? And if so, does that change Brandon's role in, in terms of the pecking order? Or, or does it even work that way in a pecking order type of sense? I do agree, but I agree with a caveat. Kuzma has emerged as a second option playing off of LeBron James. He has done other things nicely, and I think that he's starting to show growth in areas where he was struggling earlier during the year as an offensive player. And a couple of things that I would highlight are things I highlighted in a post that I wrote about Kuzma um, a little bit over a week ago, where he is utilizing more of his skill set versus specific foes in terms of like what player type they are. And, and so... He's using quickness against bigger guys. He's using his size against smaller guys. And he's showing improved comfort as a ball handler to even start to run some pick and roll. And when you blend all of that together, he's looked more like the guy last year that you would expect him to look like this year, if that makes sense. Right, like this is the next step in down the path that he was already going down yes like what his evolution from year one to year two would like right would look like based off of his year one production and what his playing style style was where i wonder about kuzma and this is where the caveat comes in is that in a more um hyper specific and hyper focused game plan environment that the playoffs are if everything comes right down to it can he score in these same ways when you're facing the same opponent, you know, potentially seven times over a two-week period? Do you foresee elements of his game where, like, it's that, that won't translate to the playoffs? Like, is there anything specific that stands out? I mean, his isolation work is still a little bit dodgy. 
to me. Yeah, he's got a loose handle, and yeah. You, you and and also too, he gets he could be very one track mind with the ball in his hands. Mm. So mm-hmm. one thing when you were talking about Ingram, one of the things that I was going to jump in and interrupt with because you know I'm very good at interrupting is um. <laughs> is one of the things I actually think the Lakers have missed, and I thought about this more within the context of Lance a little bit, but I think it applies to Kuzma as well, but in a different way, is that Ingram, before he got hurt, he was really starting to um, drive and kick more, very similar to what he looked like last year. And Kuzma doesn't really drive and kick at all. He drives to score. And Lance will drive and kick, but... Lance is much less decisive initially when he catches the ball. And so Ingram can be a good ball mover in terms of, okay, like the ball is coming to me. Like, here's a read. I can, I like, I can make that read quickly. And Ingram can also, even though he doesn't do that as much, he did that way more his rookie season than last season. And he's done it less this season compared to his rookie season as well but he has that in his game but what he does have is some driving kick ability which I don't know who else on the team is doing that besides maybe Lonzo and LeBron yeah and that's something they need man they need Brandon to return to that full-fledged like yeah he had shown some improvement at least a few games and then he had a couple of rough ones before he got hurt from that respect but that's something that that's probably if I could unlock one thing even more than the shooting with Brandon would be the just going back to that drive and kick the Lakers have so many ball handlers and I I just finished editing this video it'll be out for silver screen and roll tomorrow about just like it was three minutes of hockey assists between Lonzo and LeBron right where both guys make the pass that end up leading to the basket and Brandon can be part of that. And you've got like three guys that are capable of driving, kick, drive, kick. And like the defense is eventually going to break. That's one of, I think, the underrated parts of how Golden State has been successful. We always think of their outside shooting, but they're really good ball handlers in a multitude of positions. Even when they had Andrew Bogut and and Draymond Green. Bogut is not a guy that's going to drive to the rack, but he could pass the hell out of the ball, could handle it. Draymond's the same type of way. And one of the things that I think really typifies the Golden State Warriors over the last five years is the number of attacks that they get on the basket from either the outside or off of screens, guys driving to the basket. But the amount of like, this could have worked if the defense didn't stop it is higher than anybody else in the league. And I think the Lakers have the chance to be the type of team that can get six or seven credible attacks on any given possession due to the amount of ball handling that they have. But they cannot reach that peak without Brandon Ingram in that mindset. Well, the team that who I actually thought thought of when you were saying that, what wasn't as much the Warriors it was that championship Spurs team that beat the Heat oh man that 2014 squad yeah that's a great one too we got all those guys attacking the rim kicking out getting going from good shot to great shot that's a great just driving and kicking and driving and kicking and I think that Ingram could certainly be a part of that now I want to jump back to something I said about Kuzma where Kuzma has been improving as a passer is driving and dumping off, right? Which is a very effective play as well. Yeah, he's good at getting it to the big, not necessarily the shooters, but to yes, the big. Yes, and, and so that's super useful as well, especially when he's getting downhill in screen and roll opportunities be because he's got such a refined and good floater game and an ability to hit off-balance shots going towards the basket that 
when he's getting downhill, that's super useful in terms of his ability to spot the big ducking in or maybe throw a quick lob. So I don't want to like denigrate Kyle Kuzma here in terms of his ability as as a passer because he's shown some skill in that well in that as well. But one of the things that I was actually getting a bit excited about before Ingram got hurt is that this was right around the time that Luke had started to experiment and put Beasley back in the lineup really in favor of Lance Stevenson. Yeah. And Ingram, even during the preseason, had shown fairly good chemistry with Beasley as a driving kick it's player. The pick and pop yes. It's the pick and pop guys, man. He needs very that much like Very much like he had chemistry Brooke with Brooke Lopez. I'm interested in Wagner. Yeah, I was to just going to say well. he, it could be it could be Wagner or Beasley in that right? respect. Right, and, yeah. and, and so like this is one of the reasons why like I'm nowhere close to saying the Lakers need to get rid of Ingram or he should be a guy who automatically becomes part of a trade package based off of a lack of cohesion through you know. 20 plus games of him playing with LeBron, right? Due to the suspension and then the injury now with all the time that that he's missed. The the numbers that I laid out earlier about him sort of portray him as more in some ways as a second option within the context of this is a LeBron team because he's really a first option type of player. If that makes sense, right? He's like like Kuz has become the second option alongside LeBron, and Ingram is like the second option to LeBron. Yes, so it's like you know LeBron's always going to be a one A. Ingram to me is sort of being groomed as a one B, and Kuzma is is showing to be properly slotted as a two, as a number two guy, mm-hmm. and I think championship teams. When you look like the Warriors are a perfect example here, is that Curry and Durant are both basically 1A, 1B type of guys, right? They're both one options. The reason why the Warriors are so successful, though, is because Curry and Durant have such complementary skill sets because they're both such great shooters. And Curry's an above-average passer, I would say, and Durant is a good passer, and, and they're both such good shot creators. Ingram and LeBron haven't meshed that same way yet. It, it goes back sort of to a comparison that, that I made a few weeks ago when I sort of talked about Ingram in sort of like as like a Dwayne Wade type of player, right? Who Who isn't the shooter from three, depends more on mid-range and drives, and where that chemistry could be unlocked a little bit more is if Ingram could become a better cutter and a better slasher because Wade was one of the best at that in the league for essentially his entire career. What I'd like to see from Ingram more, like just in general, but especially when he's playing next next to LeBron, is sort of activating him more in off-ball situations so that he can be utilized better as a cutter and a slasher. And maybe that means using him more as a screener off the ball in order to then occupy multiple defenders and then have him dart in into open space. One of the things I wanted to ask you, though, is do you think he should start? (laughs) I was just about to ask you this. Um, 
I think he should come off of the bench. I think that that lineup with Hart in his place and when JaVale plays, they've got a plus 15 net rating in 133 minutes. They are whooping on teams. I think it can be that Manu Lamar type of role. You know, I think Brandon should be closing most games. I just think that this is the best way to maximize what you get out of the entire team. It's been the bench that's been really bad while the Lakers have been shorthanded, and that goes back to the idea of there being nine guys. Now, we can dance around and stagger minutes or have Brandon come off of the bench for the sake of a lineup that's played really well together and all that, but ultimately, if this is going to work, if the Lakers are going to hit their ceiling, it's going to be with Brandon Ingram being a big part of that. Is having him come off of the bench, you know, even like feelings and and politics and all that stuff aside... Do you take a step back back with that? I don't think so. I do think that you can still get plenty of minutes for them together, but I do think that that's the best way to get a consistent 48 minutes. Uh, I have a feeling you disagree with me, but I'm curious about your, your thoughts on no, that. No, it's not that I disagree, per se. Um, if he were to start, I think he should be the first guy to go to the bench. And we've been saying that like for most of the year. At this yes, point. and so if he was to come off the bench, I think that he should probably be the first sub in. My question to you is, is who would he sub in for? If he's coming in at the six-minute mark, I'd still probably have him come in for Hart because I think that that second unit, I, I'm trying to reverse engineer this from the second unit because I think the Lakers already have a starting lineup that works really well together, yeah. and they have not figured out their bench yet and, and what that rotation should look like. So I'd like to see him in there with Rondo and KCP, Wagner or Beasley, and then whichever big, you know, that's that's interchangeable there. Man, that the Lakers are close to a good bench, man. Listen to that. Like, so, so just humor me for a moment. If Ingram's coming off of the bench and you've got this starting lineup that has played very well together, Rondo could start for a lot of teams. KCP could start for a lot of teams. Brandon could start for a lot of teams. And then you've got either Beasley or Wagner and Tyson Chandler, who's been very good, even if he's not probably a starting caliber guy at this point. And we saw some of the reasons why in the last couple of games. Um, that's a really good bench, man. And You want to know what my ideal bench unit is? What's that? And I think this is going to transition us well to, re- to, to talking about Rajon Rondo. My ideal bench lineup is Ingram, KCP, Hart, and then either Beasley or Wagner and Chandler. So no Rondo in that? Yeah. And so we're going to talk about Rondo right now. Uh-huh. How, how about this? How about this? So b- before we do that, they are similar in, in some, some good ways. And then I would actually like to see that unit with Brandon at the four and then one of those guys. So Rondo, Hart, KCP, Ingram, and then JaVale uh, uh, or, or Chandler. No, that's, that's an interesting lineup as well. Before we continue, Vivid Seats is trying us out for a couple of episodes, see if they want to sponsor long-term. And we could really use your help. If you want to support us and you can get 10% off of your first order with them, you have to download their app, their mobile app, and then use the promo code, all caps. It's LakersFan1. So it's the number one, LakersFan1, all one word. You get 10% off of your first order with them. You'd really be helping us out. Uh, Hopefully we can set something up long-term. We also have another thing I don't want to talk too much about, but it can help us actually get more podcast episodes out coming soon. Um, So hopefully that ends up working out. Hopefully we'll have an update on exactly what I'm talking about with that for the next episode. But yeah, uh, please check out Vivid Seats, download their app, use the promo code LakersFan1, you'll get 10% off your first order. So let's talk about Rondo and let's talk about that second unit in general. Like I said, I think Rondo's still, 
you know, an important part of the rotation and can help control things. Uh, I'd like to see that line up with him, the two guards, and then Bi at the four. I think that I think Bi can very much play the four against second unit fours, you know, and along with either Javale or Chandler. What are your thoughts on that? And then what does Rondo's return mean? Yeah, I think that Ingram could play the four. I also think that there's enough def- defensive versatility in any lineup that has KCP, Ingram, and Hart in it especially because of Hart's ability to guard players who were bigger than him, but not necessarily like wings, right? So you could switch Hart onto a variety of like power forwardy type guys, and he's going to hold his own, especially if those guys think that they're going to be post-up players because Hart is going to stone them a lot in the post and stand them up. And I think that Ingram's length is just this great neutralizer against players of all types. He is not quite as strong, but he makes up for a fair amount of that lack of strength just by being long enough to still bother shots that are even in the restricted area as long as he's in between you and the basket. And I just don't think players are used to shooting over a guy who they are backing down that easily and then realizing, wait, like I have to shoot it still over the top of you right because they're 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 just used to going through guys like that or i should say going over the top of them because a lot of times they're just smaller but ingram's not smaller he's just as big as these guys getting back to rondo i totally was nodding my head when you were saying rondo is still like an integral part of the rotation as like um an organizer and someone who can run an offense And then, but I was also thinking to myself, man, like, I feel like the Lakers have missed Ingram so much more than Rondo. And they've made up for Rondo not being on the court much easier than they've made up for not having Ingram. See, for me, like, the second unit to me has been a damn disaster. They look so disorganized when it's Lance that's trying to run it or or they've been staggering Lonzo and LeBron yes right? and trying to but, have one of those but we talked about those numbers earlier that when both Ingram and LeBron have been off the floor the Lakers are a tire fire sure but that's been something Brandon has like Luke was staggering his minutes that was actually the genesis of those like holy crap Brandon's per 36 with LeBron off the court is amazing right and the lineups with Rondo with the second unit before weren't necessarily without Ingram too yes and and so I guess what I'm saying is I don't want to discount Rondo too much. And I'm not saying that you should play Lance Stevenson instead of Rondo. I'm saying that you should probably give the ball to Ingram a little bit more. And you could try the lineup that I had mentioned where you still have two bigs on the floor and Ingram's not one of them. You play KCP and Hart and Ingram all on the wing. And then you match him with one of your shooting bigs. And then you anchor it with Chandler. I don't want to say that Rondo can't be a useful player. It's just that in these games, I just haven't missed him. That doesn't mean that he's not important. It's just I haven't missed him. This might be the most radical idea you've proposed on the show. I like. I mean, look, man. Like Rondo <laughs> is going to be a player who, very much like LeBron, is going to sort of dictate the flow of the game. One thing I did appreciate about Rondo's minutes when he was paired with Ingram was that he was starting to defer to Ingram 
a little bit more. He was letting him bring the ball up a little bit more. Even if Rondo was initiating by dribbling the ball up the court and calling up a set right around half court. His first pass was to Ingram and then Rondo was starting to do more off-ball stuff like going and setting a down screen or going to the corner or whatever, right? And, and so I think that Rondo should, obviously Rondo's going to come back and he's going to play. It's just that if we were to rank the four most important Lakers, Kuzma is one of them. And the other three are LeBron, Lonzo, and Ingram. Yes. LeBron, Lonzo, and Ingram are all players who are compromised at least a little bit by Rondo. Hmm. And so... I can see that. And, and so that doesn't mean Rondo's a bad player. It doesn't mean he can't help the team. I'm saying that in the same way that I talked about sort of LeBron taking up oxygen in the room, which which basically means that he's taking chances off of the table because, you you know, I don't know if you remember that, that old skit where they're talking about, I think it was a Chris Rock skit where he was talking about how dad gets the big piece of fried chicken. Uh-huh. Right. Right. <laughs> LeBron gets yeah. the big piece of fried chicken. When Rondo is on the court, He's used to having a big piece of fried chicken, too. You know what I mean? So that's not to say he can't play with any of these guys. Rondo's smart. He's obviously super savvy as a veteran in a very small sample. He's shown that he could hit the three ball this year at at a higher clip and and has shown that actually over the past two or three seasons as as a pure sort of like spot up wide open shooter when, when he's not like reluctant to take that shot. He... He hits it at a reasonable rate. It's just that every possession that Rondo's initiating is not a possession where either Ingram, Lonzo, or LeBron is is initiating. And I'm just wondering how many of those guys do you actually need at any given time? Right. Like the more of those guys you have, the less you need him. It's kind of similar to Lance, right? He's, he's a better player than Lance is for sure, but... That's you know the ideal role for Lance is to be surrounded by four guys who can play defense but can't create their own shot, and you need somebody to kind of make something happen out there. But that's not the type of team that the Lakers are, and and Rondo fits a similar profile, even if they're Rondo's a lot you know more cerebral and under control. He's still taking those opportunities away, and he can't thrive off of those other guys. It's an interesting perspective. I just I mean we both know he's gonna be in the rotation, yeah, right? Yes, it, just, it hadn't been something I'd thought. And so that's the thing. He's going to be in the rotation. And so where do you think that he fits best in that lineup that you just described? Where it's Rondo, KCP, Hart, Ingram, and then Chandler? I think you're killing teams with that squad, man. I think you're running teams off the court with that group. Um, it, like second units, that's such a good second unit. And I think that that's a way to go, you know, nine deep in a rotation. That, to me, that's the Lakers rotation should be nine deep. And you have this starting group that works really well as that group of five. And then Brandon can still get, you know, 28 to 32 minutes, which he's getting right now within that. We've seen plenty of six men throughout NBA history be able to get that. But, like, to me, those are the two, like, main lineups you can roll with. Is that starting unit, Rondo, KCP, Hart, Ingram, and So <clears throat> I've actually sort of gone back, and I hate that I always bring up the Celtics. Um but I just actually think that they're they're built in sort of a similar way to the Lakers. And I see that Hayward and Jalen Brown have basically gone to the bench. 
seeing how that sort of worked for them, granted against some competition that wasn't that great, and that's how they got their winning streak going and whatnot. But I'm not totally against Ingram moving to the bench as long as he is not compromised in a way where, oh, well, now Ingram's a bench player, so he's going to get like 24 minutes. Yeah, no, that's not that's not the type of bench player he needs to be. And, you know, you can make a very strong argument that Brandon's a better player than Josh, right? It's not about the best five guys out there. It's about how does that group of five perform. We have a nice sample now of that unit with Hart really performing well. And to me, that's just the strongest argument that there is. It doesn't mean that it's not a knock on Brandon. It doesn't mean he's our sixth best player or worse. It just means that we have a unit that works really well together. And you can still get him, like, he's, he doesn't need to get Lance minutes within that. Yeah, I'm with you. Really? Yeah, do you think he's not going to start, though? No, I think he's going to start. Okay. I, I, I think that that's, you know, especially with them losing the last two games against not great teams. I think it's one of those things, though, where, like, the Lakers being a team that really has nine rotational guys, the impact of losing one of them compounds when it becomes one to two and then two to three. When you're going out there and you only have six really NBA rotation quality guys, the starters might play great and you still might not win that game. So I think that's been something that we've seen. And then they've really missed JaVale. That's been one thing of not having both JaVale and Tyson. That that was very harmful in the last couple of games. But the fact of the matter is they've lost two in a row. They went one on three on a road trip, and it's going to be easy to make the argument you don't lose your starting spot to injury. So I, I do expect Ingram to be in the starting lineup. I hope that he continues to get staggered with LeBron because, like I said, one of the things that has stood out to me while Ingram's been been out is that the secondary shot creators that the Lakers have or the guys who become primary shot creators when LeBron is off the floor aren't natural hubs of NBA, you're the guy, right? Right. Now, if the Lakers ran way more pick and roll and sort of empowered Lonzo in a way or if or it was more Lonzo's ilk to to sort of play that way and he was aggressive Lonzo all of the time then I think that maybe he could be more of the guy that you say okay well let's stagger Lonzo some a little bit more or let him play with these units but we saw that Lonzo's probably going to need like an Ingram type next to him who has more of Ingram's instincts as a player. Like, you could play Lance with Lonzo, but I just think that then Lonzo gets wasted because the ball's yeah. not going to move as much. What I'd like to see, and Luke wasn't able to do this with all of the injuries, especially with Brandon being out, Luke has tied Kuzma's minutes to LeBron, and I'd actually like to see that with Lonzo as well. That trio especially works really well together. A lot of their half-court screening actions are with Lonzo as the screener, Kuzma running off of the screen, and LeBron being the decision-maker of where the ball goes. And I think that that trio, like, I'd like to see their minutes be together, and Ingram is just the opposite, right, where he can thrive, I think, more without LeBron on the court while still getting enough minutes to 
keep cultivating that because I don't think the book is written on what that can be. But for the time being, I think he's better in that situation. So, so yeah, to me, like all of that aligns with the idea of Ingram coming off of the bench. And also, I think it would be a shame for that lineup that's been really good that has that plus 15 net rating to just not be getting many minutes a- anymore. Even if Ingram starts, I, w- I want to see that lineup play a lot. Yeah, I think that's clearly been the Lakers' best lineup. And I don't think that you can just disregard that, even if the sample is only like 133 minutes. You know, it's it's their second most used lineup. And the only reason why it's their second most used lineup is because Ingram's been hurt. The Lakers need to play this lineup. And what they really need to do is find a bench lineup that puts up similar production to this. And if they do they're going to go on a pretty big winning streak. Yeah, because this is a really good team if they can reach that point. So uh, I think that's a good place to end it. Please remember to use the promo code LakersFan1, all caps, after you download the Vivid Seats app to get 10% off your first order. You'd really be helping us with that. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast, and we will catch you guys next time. Just give me a chance to think. It takes <laughs> me a little while to get wound up. I know it does take you a while to think. I think that is a cosmetic call, baby. Okay, kid, you're all right, my book. Will you get these idiots out of here? <laughs>